Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 886. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. Let's read the passage. Now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest, since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, Be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. This is the book of Hebrews. It's a letter or written sermon to a group of Jewish Christians they are experiencing persecution at the hands of the Roman government, and they're tempted to abandon Christianity and go back to Judaism because that's tolerated by the Roman government. The writer of Hebrews is saying, no, that would be a mistake because Christ is superior to anything you could be going back to. He talked about Christ being superior to angels, superior to Moses, superior to the Old Testament priesthood. We've been talking a lot about that, this idea of Christ as the high priest. That's something different. It's something superior. It was established by a divine oath. It's permanent in nature, and it's based upon the person, the work, the character of Jesus Christ himself. Now we pick it up in chapter 8, verse 1. Now the main point of what is being said is this. So he makes it clear here. This is important. This is the main point. This is what I'm getting at. I've been talking about Melchizedek, and that all seems kind of strange and different and unique uh, based on this unusual character that crops up in Genesis 14 and then is mentioned in Psalm 110. Well, we're not going to hear any more about Melchizedek. He's left Melchizedek behind. He's using that as an example to show the uniqueness of Jesus as high priest. Now he's bringing it down to why that's a big deal, why it matters, and what's special about this idea of Jesus as the new high priest. So the main point is this. We have this kind of priest. What kind? He said back in uh, chapter 7, verse 26, for this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. I says, that's the kind of priest we have. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So this is what's special about Jesus as a high priest. He's not just the guy in Jerusalem at the temple who happens to be in charge of all these earthly priests. He is in heaven at the right hand of the Father on a throne. And so we see this uh, dual nature here. He is the high priest. We also see this idea of king. He is at the right hand of the throne of God. Continues in verse 2. A minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord, 
and not man. Well, this idea of the sanctuary and tabernacle. The tabernacle was the beginning, the tent of meeting, the mobile sanctuary that was set up by the Levites. Moses was given the instructions on Mount Sinai. This was where Moses went in to meet God. Then later you had the temple built by Solomon. And in the inter-sanctuary, it was a place where the high priest went in once a year to essentially meet God on behalf of the people. And in verse 2, he's saying this sanctuary and true tabernacle is in heaven. And it's not something that people built. It's something that's entirely of God's doing. Now, the earthly sanctuary, the earthly temple, the earthly tabernacle, all set up to basically be an image, a mirror, a, a loose picture of the true sanctuary, the true tabernacle, which is in heaven. And so he calls this the true tabernacle here in verse 2, because this is the only sanctuary which is not an imitation of something better. This is the real deal. Everything else is just pointing to this, and this is it. Verse 3, For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. That's what the priests do on the earthly ministry as they offer these gifts and sacrifices to God. You can't do it yourself in the Old Testament system. You have to go and have the priest do it for you as the mediator. And Christ, as the new high priest, is still that mediator. And he says that it's necessary for this priest also to have something. He doesn't really address it here. He mentioned it back in chapter 7, verse 27, where he said he offered himself. And he'll hit it again in chapter 9. This idea, it's the blood of Christ, is that offering. Verse 4. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest, since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. The ones doing it on earth are the Levitical priests, the descendants of Aaron, set up by the law, doing the sacrifices called for by the law. And so his point here is if Jesus Christ was on earth, well, they wouldn't let him be a priest because he's not of the descendants of Aaron. Verse 5, these serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, Be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. The whole idea of these sacrifices and the tabernacle, the temple, was to point to that which is in heaven. He says they're a copy, a shadow of the heavenly things. They're replicas of the true sanctuary. He brings up this quote from Exodus 25:40, where God told Moses, Be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. What's that language there? Uh, you have all these detailed instructions in Exodus chapter 25 through chapter 30, where Moses is given the details. Make it like this, make it like this, make it this big, make it out of that, and this is how you move it, this is how you set it up. And so there were very detailed instructions, but it says this pattern you were shown, is that referring to the verbal instructions? Or is Moses actually given a vision? Moses, this is what it looks like. 
Okay, here's all the instructions that go along with it, but here's the picture of what it looks like. I would think so. If Moses is anything like me, I hope he's a whole lot better. I, I need a picture of it. It's one thing to say, uh, do it this way, stick this in here, but once I see a picture of it, then the instructions make sense. So I think Moses probably was given some kind of vision there. Okay, Moses, this is what it's supposed to look like when it's all put together. And verse 6, but Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry. And to that degree, he is a mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. All right, so this is the bottom line here now. Jesus is this high priest, so what? What's he high priest of? Well, he's high priest of something better. And remember, these Jewish Christians that the author is writing to are tempted to go back to that earthly ministry, that Mosaic covenant, the Levitical priesthood, and what they are doing. And he's saying, no, Jesus is, what Jesus is doing is better. Jesus has a superior ministry to the Old Testament priest, to the Levitical priesthood. And so he is the mediator, like the earthly priests are, but he's the mediator of something much better. A better covenant. The covenant is the arrangement laid down by God of this is how you relate to me. And if the covenant's from God, that's pretty dangerous stuff to say, no, God, I don't want to relate to you on terms of your covenant. I'd rather do it this way. I'll choose the covenant with which I will relate to you. That's a pretty uh, dramatic statement there. I, I think I know better than God. As he said earlier, the old covenant has been annulled. And so we have the new covenant. And it's established better promises. What do you mean that? Better promises. Well, all the promises in the old covenant had to do with the land. This is how you're going to relate to me as God, and I'm going to get you into the promised land and sustain you there. Where the new covenant, these promises are based on eternity, heavenly promises. So they are better promises. Then verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. That's just kind of a sum it up. We've got this new covenant. God has annulled the old covenant. And if the new covenant wasn't better than the old covenant, then why would he have a new covenant? So, of course, the new covenant is better. And the bottom line is, this is from God. God has said, this is how you relate to me. So to now say, well, based on circumstances on earth here, I think I'll choose a different covenant than the one that God has established. That's a lesson for all of us. We relate to God based on the terms that he has laid down. So when he says, this is how you relate to me, we should seek to understand best that covenant of how God wants us to relate with God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews 